Business Class is brought to you by the Tourism Academy, harnessing the power of science, business psychology, and adult education to advance the tourism industry and build sustainable economies. Learn how to engage your community, win over stakeholders, and get more visitors at tourismacademy.org. All right, Steve Ekstrom here with the Tourism Academy, tourismacademy.org, and the Business Class Podcast. Joining me from Nashville, Tennessee, Butch Spiridon, CEO of the Convention and Visitors Corporation. You've been with that Music City brand for quite some time now. What What's kept you there? Um, the job has always been challenging, is never boring, and I like to say, my plan was to stay about five or six years, but we got to grow together. So I didn't have to leave to do everything that I always dreamed once I knew I was in this business. I consider myself very fortunate and I never got bored. So what you had mentioned just before we started recording was that you sort of stumbled into this field. Describe for me that uh, career journey. Ironically, graduated from Vanderbilt here in Nashville, moved back home to the Mississippi coast, thought I wanted to get into economic development, and was knocking on doors, uh, and then somebody in Mobile, Alabama, handed my resume to the chamber, and this entity was part of the chamber of Mobile, and they didn't have much money. And they were looking to hire their first ever salesperson. So I was cheap. I was inexperienced. They said, you'll need to travel. You'll have a credit card for entertainment. And I said, I can do those two things. And I almost self-taught after that. But I, it got in my blood early and I loved it. One of the things my dad told me is that um, you'll pay for your education one way or another. Sometimes that's for the certificate on the wall, and sometimes that's because of the mistakes that you make and grow from. What might be one of the more challenging moments in your in your career, and how did you grow from that? Um, there's been a lot of them. So I think if I think back to uh, when I first arrived in Nashville, and I had 12 years of experience. I had done pretty good in Mobile and Baton Rouge, I I think. Um, And I came here thinking, well, Nashville's got potential. It's bigger. I can can help. And Opryland was the big player in town. They put tourism on the map. They put conventions on the map. And they had cultivated the country music side of things. Um, but I thought, to answer your question, well, I have experience, I have the title, I've been hired to do this. And I started kind of maybe upsetting the apple cart a little bit with changes. And it, I got to, I had to be hit over the head where I went, oh, wait a minute, they don't know whether I'm good or not. They don't know anything about me. I have to earn that respect. I thought I deserved it when I arrived, but they hired me, so I must have something. But I was just wrong. And I took a step back and decided we needed to really 
demonstrate value first. I needed to earn my street cred, and then I could start to push the envelope a little bit. So I put that as one of my major, you know, you got to remember the audience, your customers, your clients, your, they don't know anything about you when you're starting fresh. So earn the respect first. How, what advice would you give to somebody who's in that position now where, you know, they're very ambitious and they want to make their mark, but they have to earn that credibility. They have to earn that respect. Um, You know, I always find one, being transparent, uh, two, being more humble than, than unhumble. That's word. Um, And then finding the success. Where can you make the biggest difference or biggest impact first? So uh, I alluded to a minute ago, demonstrating value. So as soon as you begin to show that you're bringing something to the table, you're going to have more supporters and you're going to have more rope. But until you do that, you're fishing in the dark, so to speak. So I always say, You earn it by producing. You earn it by being transparent. Uh, You earn it by sharing the credit. And then you're going to be given more opportunity and make sure you continue on that path. Uh, I think humility is one of the hardest things to contain in our jobs as DMO leaders because you get to do a lot. You have a lot of access. And so remembering that it's the job or the opportunity, it's not you plays a big role in keeping your yourself in check a little bit, but let your results speak for yourself, speak for themselves. How has your perspective on leadership changed from your earlier days in the, you know, at the helm to, to where you're at now? Uh, hindsight, early days, I wasn't a very good leader. Uh, so today, it's much more about our team, you know, giving credit where credit is due. It's about communicating what that vision is and the why we're doing some things. And then, you know, in, in my way of thinking, if it's something good, you know, it's either let's give our board credit, the mayor credit, or our staff credit. If it's something bad, take the responsibility, own it, and take that bullet, step in front of the moving train for a staff member. Um, and I just think that I didn't have that. I thought both in Mobile, more when I moved to Baton Rouge, well, I'm the boss. You're supposed to listen to me. That should be enough. Well, that's moronic, uh, naive, uh, and stupid. Uh, so today I'm I care about our staff. I think they're our greatest accomplishment. People ask me about what am I most proud of? The team of people that that work here. And they're willing to work harder for me because they know I have their back and I will work harder for them and reward them accordingly. Who do you look up to or who have you looked up to uh, as a mentor? Um. So I always feel like, first, I can learn from everybody. So all the cities 
that we compete with, um, I, I try to learn from them. You know, one of either my personal mottos and us as an organization, if we're going to do something new for us, but it's been done somewhere, figure out who does it the best and learn from them. Chase the best. Don't say you're the best. Don't. Other people can brag on you, and that's great, but let the accolades come from outside. Keep your head down and focus. And, you know, I, the president of Belmont University here, one of my passport chairs, great leader. What he's done for that university was incredible, and I would consider him a role model uh, for me. Uh, and ironically, Eddie George, a Heisman Trophy winner, former Titan, now he's the head coach at Tennessee State. He's on our board, and I read his Instagram post and his motivation and his work ethic. So I, I look at people like that, but I truly try to look at, find something good in everybody and everything and learn, take a piece away so that we get better and I don't get complacent. What do you remember from your first travel experience? I wasn't very good at keeping up with expense reports. Um, <laughs> I still have a trip when I was in Mobile that I never turned in the expense report. I don't know how I got away, but I, I couldn't piece it together. So I just buried it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not the most... Uh, outgoing social person so I had to learn how to do that and maybe this is a good example I had to come to Nashville for the American Bus Association Nashville just sent me up here and that was in a day when you, you had appointments but you made the appointments on site fortunately you now do that in advance and so naive slow scared I would get in line to meet with the tour operator to ask for an appointment. By the time I got up, I'm full. Then I got in the next line, I'm full. And I did that about three or four times. And then I went to the bar. I went, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm probably going to get fired. But uh, I got myself out of that. And then I figured out how to fill my appointment book a different manner. And so I guess I, I remember struggling. I remember being scared to death to talk to strangers uh, and having to teach myself to overcome that. How would you like your staff to describe you? Hmm. How would I like them or how do I think they would? <laughs> um, um, you know, if they said that I cared about them, that I put them first, that I was willing to take risks, but lead into those risks and take the responsibility if it didn't go well, I, I'd probably be pretty happy with that. With that. But I, I want them, I think they do, but I want them I want to know that they know I care about them and I'm going to give them every opportunity and every tool to succeed. If they succeed, then I win too. 
How does that compare to how you might want your family members to describe you? Uh, well, my family members would probably say I was a workaholic. Uh, that maybe too many times I put work first. Uh, but what I would hope my family would say is I work with integrity and ethics and I wasn't or we weren't the smartest, the wealthiest or the best, but we were going to outwork our competition and we were going to deliver and that the work I did there was to be able to provide for them. Tell me about a time when you realized that you were accomplishing that for your family. A moment, perhaps, where, where it just sort of clicked. Um, you know, probably when I was able to send them off to college. And even in one instance, I received a local award from the T.J. Martell Foundation, which is a cancer research funding nonprofit focused on the music industry. And I invited my family came to that. And they kind of saw the contributions and that I was able to speak to them on that night and say, you know, this the work I've done or the sacrifices I made, you know, were for y'all. They were not for me. Uh, you know, I'm pretty self-satisfied uh, and I'm challenged. I challenge myself every day. So I'm, I was good, but I needed them to know they were more important than they probably thought they were. Can you point out something in the room that you're in now that you find beautiful and how does it make you feel? Um, I have to look around. So I actually had, there's a piece of art over here. I, don't, I could pull it off the wall, but it is, I had it commissioned. We give some awards a couple times a year and we have local artists make the pieces. So I went to one of the artists and I said, give me, I want something that's a little more explorer, uh, generic looking, maybe a little Don Quixote feeling. So I would say there's a gentleman scaring a flag or a spear walking off into the sunset. And it's about taking that unchartered path to discover something, make a difference, make something happen. And I, you know, I look at it a lot and I think about that in terms of, it's easy to follow what everybody else is doing. It's much scarier, but also much more rewarding to go down that path that nobody else has traveled down. And I, I have that affliction in my personality, but probably that piece of art by an artist named Chris Coleman, uh, who's also a musician, which kind of makes it uh, extra special that our music industry also dabbles in the, in the visual arts. But, you know, I have very few things that are a tribute to myself in this office. I have a lot of things in the office that are memories uh, and reminders of maybe cool things we've done. And, you know, I like that better. I don't need plaques on my wall to feel good about myself. I, you know, I better wake up every day feeling good because 
I believe we're ethical, we have high integrity, we work harder than most people think we do, and we deliver good results. And those things allow me to sleep at night and allow me to feel good about coming to work every morning. What's something that your parents did that annoyed you at the time, but you've grown to appreciate? Uh, they pushed college pretty hard. Uh, you know, they pushed don't accept no for an answer, at least not the first no. So I did learn to, there's always a way. Just got to find the way. If somebody says no to the idea that was presented, find out the why and then come back with a solution. And that, you know, I consider myself a salesman. If you're in sales, you should be listening to your customer, not talking about everything you have, but what do they need? And then answer the question with your product. Here's how my product can help you, you know, meet that need. So uh, they don't take no for an answer. Getting that degree was important. And, you know, a hard work, a good work, a good day's work is as valuable as anything. How has your definition of the customer changed over the last, say, 10 or 15 years, particularly in Nashville? Well, it's multi-pronged, first of all. It used to be that you could pretty much define our leisure customer as a country music fan. And you could define our convention customer was religious group, uh, student youth group, more uh, trade-like. Uh, now, it's the whole world. It's the country music fam, which we're proud that we were able to evolve, but not give up our core. Uh, it's international. It's corporate meetings. It's medical meetings. It's, you know, it's much harder to say grace over. Um, and much more expensive to tackle. When you know you have a target audience and a target market and you know how to sell to it, it's much more efficient. And today we're, we're winging it and we're, we're fortunate uh, beyond belief, uh, but it's just harder, more difficult, and more expensive. What brings you the greatest happiness? Um, well, ideally, either spending time with my family or spending time, I have a boat down on the Gulf. And so getting on that boat where I can just let my mind go. But work-wise, uh, taking out something that nobody thought we could do or book, and not only book it, but then executing it at the highest level so that by anybody's standard, you know, they can say Nashville did that right. And that could be the NFL draft in 2019. We took on uh, creating a New Year's Eve event. And to my earlier point about who does it best, obviously it was New York's the gold standard. Let's chase New York. New York. Last year, it's the first time, and this year again, our New Year's Eve event will be a five-hour CBS special. Well, 15 years ago, 15,000 people came, and most people laughed at us for what we were trying to do. And now, I will repeat, we're a five-hour <laughs> network special. So that feels pretty good. What do you see as 
the next chapter for you personally and professionally? Um, for me, I'm nearing the end of my rope. Uh, the city and the Titans have proposed a new enclosed stadium. So working to hopefully get that approved, that'll be over the next probably three or four months. Um, and then if we're fortunate to get it approved, to book one of the most unlikely events that Nashville would never host, Super Bowl, WrestleMania, college football playoffs. Uh, I will find a way to continue to work on some of that. And that would be a great mic drop walk off song to hear. Um, and that would feel like we made a difference with, uh, with this city. When you walk down the streets of Nashville, what's something you can point to that you recognize as being a difference that you've made? Well, I have to qualify it and I truly, and I, you know, it's hard, you have to teach yourself. Well, I recognize I haven't done anything alone that it takes. Either I convinced somebody to come along, or, you know, maybe we paid for it, but we had to build consensus, we had to build support. Um, but the Music City Center is our convention center, it'll be 10 years old in May. It may be the nicest center in the country, but it was game changing for the area south of Broadway on Nashville that was industrial strip clubs, parking lots. Now it's a JW Marriott, an Omni, high-end restaurants, a Ritz-Carlton just broke ground. And it is a thriving neighborhood that has led to uh, the dining scene becoming nationally recognized. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, one of our restaurants was named best in the country by Food & Wine. Two of our restaurants made the New York Times top 50 list. So 10 years ago, nobody was talking about Nashville's culinary scene. But I, I look at that center, it opened up development, better hotel product, and blew our dining scene you know, off the charts to make us a more acceptable destination. So I would say that, and then I would, we worked real hard, and I personally worked real hard on landing a British Air flight between Nashville and London, and that has a pretty special place in my, in my heart as well. What advice would you give to somebody who may be starting their first day at work at a CVB? So we have a saying here with new people, and I'm a Jimmy Buffett fan, so I apologize. But in one of his older songs, one of the lines is, don't try to describe a KISS concert if you've never seen it. And I like to remind our new employees that are current, don't make it up. If you don't know the answer, find it, learn it. It'll come to you. But telling the truth, being factual, and Knowing what you know and what you don't know is critical 
to our success. We represent an industry, and we represent an entire city. So we have to get it right. Uh, so that feeds right into what I told my nephew when he graduated from college and was job hunting and doing interviews and he was telling me what he was worth. And I pretty much said, you have no value. You have potential and you are an expense to anybody that hires you right now. So shut up and listen. Quit telling them what you're worth. And he ended up with a good job and has done really well. But it's that. Listen to the people have been there. You can learn what to do and what not to do from somebody. So I'm not saying everybody has all the right answers, but don't make up your answers. Do your homework and keep your ears open for a while and do the work. I think that's a fantastic note for us to wrap up on. If folks want to learn more about planning a visit to Nashville, how would they go about doing that? Uh, start with visitmusiccity.com. You can pretty much find everything on our website, uh, but you can also find our phone number and call us. We can do packages. We can guide you. We'll answer your questions because we'll listen to what you're looking to do, and then we'll give you the options. We're not going to try to sell you on something you don't want. I appreciate that. I look forward to seeing you on the road, and uh, thank you for joining me here in business class. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Great questions. Keep up the good work.